For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Sukkot, the season of our joy. This is part one of the series. Shalom. We are currently doing a series on the biblical festivals, and in this session we're going to be speaking about the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. The major theme of Sukkot that we're going to be studying in this session is that Sukkot is related and connected to completing the task or the conclusion of our spiritual journey. In the book Sound the Great Shofar by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson on page 13, he writes, Our sages point to Mashiach and the redemption, that is the messianic redemption and the end of the exile of Jacob, as the ultimate purpose for the creation of the world. For God created the world in order that he should have a dwelling place among mortals. And this goal will be realized in the era of the Messianic redemption, which is associated with the Messianic era. Our sages state that the world was created solely for the Messiah. And this comes from the Talmud in Sanhedrin 96b. So we have here that the world was created for the purpose of Messiah, that the God of Israel would have a dwelling place among mortals, and this is going to be realized in the Messianic era. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, it is stated for us here that the world was created by Yeshua and for him, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. We can see from John chapter 1 verse 14 and then from Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4 and verse 9 how Yeshua is connected in his purpose for coming to the earth both at his first and his second coming is associated with him dwelling on the earth with his people, which is the purpose of creation that God would have a dwelling place among mortals as stated by Rebbe Schneerson in his book Sound the Great Shofar. So in John chapter 1 verse 14, it is written, And the word was made 
flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. Then in Zechariah 14, verse 4 and verse 9, in his feet, that is the feet of yod heh vav from Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3, shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. We understand this to be Yeshua. Upon him setting his feet on the Mount of Olives at his second coming, then we have Zechariah 14, verse 9, and the Lord will be king over all the earth, and that day there will be one Lord and his name one. He is dwelling in the earth with his people, which is the purpose of creation. If we look at the first word in the Bible, in Hebrew it is Breshit. And if you would look at the first word of the Bible, Breshit, in a Torah scroll and in the Hebrew, you will discover that the very first letter of the Bible, which is the first letter of the word Breshit, is enlarged. Being enlarged, it is irregular. It stands out. And that letter is a bet and bet in Hebrew means a house. So the meaning behind this is that the reason why the God of Israel created the heavens and the earth is because he desired to have a house or to put it another way a dwelling place among mortals. If we look at the first two letters of the first word of the Bible, Breshi, it is the bet and the resh which is bar and bar means son. So the God of Israel wanted to have a house for his son. We understand this to be Yeshua. This is the purpose of creation and we see the purpose of creation connected with the historical Egyptian exodus and the historical Egyptian redemption. When the God of Israel brought his people out of Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai and then he had them build a tabernacle and when they built the tabernacle, then the presence of the God of Israel dwelt with his people, which is the purpose of creation. So we have the first foreshadowing and fulfillment of the purpose of creation when the tabernacle gets built and the God of Israel is dwelling with his people. And what we're going to see in this context is this is actually Yeshua who is dwelling with his people in the tabernacle. In Exodus chapter 25 verses 8 and 9 it is written, And let them make me a sanctuary in Hebrew a mikdash that I may dwell among them. This is the fulfillment of the purpose of creation that the God of Israel would dwell with his people. And then it says in Exodus 25 verse 9, according to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so you shall make it. So we see that the purpose of creation is God having a dwelling place among mortals and this is fulfilled through Yeshua the Messiah dwelling with his people. A Initially, we see that dwelling in the wilderness in the tabernacle, but the fullness of the fulfillment of this is in the time of the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation chapter 21, where the Messiah will be dwelling with his people for all eternity. The purpose of creation is not only the God of Israel dwelling with his people, but that he would be dwelling with his people on the earth. That is why the Messiah comes to the earth at his 
first coming to dwell with his people and then at the second coming to rule and reign as king over all the earth and then ultimately in the time of the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem for all eternity. Next, let us see how creation is linked with the redemption from Egypt. In the commentary of the Torah by Moses Nachmanides, known as Ramban, in the introduction to the book of Exodus, Nachmanides writes, in the book of Genesis, which is the book of creation, the Torah completed the account of how the world was brought forth from nothingness and how everything was created as well as an account of all the events which befell the patriarch, who are a sort of creation to their seed. All the events that happened to them, the patriarch, were symbolic occurrences indicating and foretelling all that was destined to come upon their seed. After having completed the account of creation, the Torah begins another book concerning the subject that has been alluded to in those symbolic events recorded in the book of Genesis. Of course, we are talking about the book of Exodus. Continuing on, Nachmanides' comment on page 4. Now, the exile was not completed until the day that they returned to their place and were restored to the status of their fathers. When the children of Israel left Egypt, even though they came forth from the house of bondage, they were still considered exiles because they were in a land that was not theirs, entangled in the desert. When they came to Mount Sinai and made the tabernacle, and the Holy One, blessed be He, caused His divine presence to dwell again among them, that is when they returned to the status of their fathers, when the counsel of God was upon their tent. So we see the link of Genesis and creation and the events that happened to the forefathers explaining how the children of Israel get into Egypt and then when they come out of Egypt, they go into the wilderness where the tabernacle is erected. This is fulfilling the purpose of creation. Continuing on, Nachmanides writes, at this point in time when the tabernacle was erected and the divine presence is with the children of Israel, then they were considered redeemed. It was for this reason that this second book of the Torah is concluded with the consummation of the building of the tabernacle and the glory of the eternal, filling it always. So this is a prophetic foreshadowing now of the Messianic era when between then and the Messianic era, from the events that happened at Mount Sinai, where the covenant was made with the nation of Israel, they broke the covenant, got exiled into the nations of the world, and ultimately in them coming out of their exile from all the nations of the world, which was foreshadowed in the redemption from Egypt, they're going to come back to the land of Israel through the redemptive work of the Messiah, and Messiah is going to rule and reign with his people during the Messianic era, which is is the fulfillment of the purpose of creation. So what happened in the Torah is just a foreshadowing of what is to come, fulfilling, once again, the purpose of creation. So we see in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, built the tabernacle, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The divine presence is called the glory of 
of the Lord. Now this earthly tabernacle that was built is a shadow of the true heavenly tabernacle. We're told this in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. To serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see says he that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you in the mount. This is quoting from Exodus in chapter 25 and verse 9. We see in Revelation in chapter 21 with the new Jerusalem that comes out of heaven, we see that this is when the Messiah is going to be dwelling with the people for all eternity. And look how this is described. It says in Revelation 21 verse 23, in the city, that is the new Jerusalem, had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the lamb is the light the lamb the Messiah is the glory of God that is the light of the city so we see how the glory of God was with the children of Israel when they erected the tabernacle and now in the new Jerusalem the glory of God the Messiah is once again dwelling and abiding with his people when the God of Israel redeemed his people from Egypt the purpose of it is so that they would serve him in Exodus chapter 3 verses 11 and 12 it is written and Moses said unto God who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt and he said certainly I will be with you and this shall be a token unto you that I have sent you when you've brought forth the people out of Egypt you will serve God upon this mountain so the purpose of being redeemed from Egypt which is personified in Passover is to come to Mount Sinai to serve God. In Leviticus chapter 25 verse 55 it is written, For unto me the children of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We are servants of the God of Israel. In being servants of the God of Israel I would like to share with you three primary duties of a servant of the God of Israel. Number one, a servant of the God of Israel will love Yeshua by keeping his commandment. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeshua is referring to loving the God of Israel and keeping those commandments when he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, referring to the commandments given at Mount Sinai, of which he is the one who gave them. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, and John 14, verse 15. Number two, a servant of the God of Israel will love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, Mark chapter 12, verse 31, and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength by keeping his commandments and loving your neighbor as yourself, Yeshua taught us in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, are the two greatest commandments of the Torah. So if you actually love the God of Israel and love your neighbor, what you will do, number three then, is you will redeem your family member if he has sold his inheritance. How do you sell your inheritance? You don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. You break his commandments. You serve other gods. 
which causes you to be exiled and a servant of the God of Israel will have mercy and compassion for his covenant family and will go out and to seek them and bring them back into the family. So this is mentioned in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 25. As servants of the God of Israel, we are on a spiritual journey. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 22 and 23 it is written, And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that is the land of Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. The purpose of redeeming his people out of Egypt was to bring them in and to give them a land. This is the completion of the redemption from Egypt, is being brought into the promised land. So looking at this pictorially, the reason and the purpose for leaving Egypt, which is done by putting the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost, is that our journey would take us to Mount Sinai, where we receive the commandments and the instructions of the God of Israel of how to live being his covenant family and his servant and by being redeemed and keeping his commandments we would finish the journey and we would go to the promised land and inherit the promised land this journey is represented by Passover putting the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost and Pentecost or Shavuot is associated with the event at Mount Sinai and then going into the promised land is associated with the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, finishing the journey. Another way of looking at this is that we are given a promise of the God of Israel. That is the seed that is sown, when the promise that he's given to us. Then following him giving us a promise, that promise will be tested. That's the next stage in the journey. And if we hold on to the promise in the testing, then we will see the fulfillment of the promise, which is going to the promised land. This can be looked at as well in this way, that the coming out of Egypt, putting the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost, is our spiritual redemption. Then, coming to Mount Sinai, in being redeemed, we are not faithful, and we break the covenant. And the God of Israel is faithful, and if our hearts are turned back to Him in our disobedience, He will bring restoration into our lives. And the fullness of Him completing His work in us is us being restored. We can look at this another way, that we leave Egypt, we come to Mount Sinai. Following Mount Sinai, our ultimate end of our journey in the promised land is Mount Zion. So the whole purpose of coming out of Egypt is that we would go into the promised land, which is Mount Zion. We can look at it this way. Coming out of Egypt, putting the blood of the Lamb upon the doorpost is salvation by the blood of Yeshua. And then coming to Mount Sinai, Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments. With salvation and redemption by the blood of Yeshua and by keeping his commandments, that will merit us to dwell with the Messiah when he rules and reigns in the earth during the Messianic era, which is the completion of our journey, being servants of him who will rule and reign with him in the earth. Looking at it yet another way, the coming out of Egypt is our redemption, and in breaking the covenant, we have a wilderness experience, and we get exiled into the nations of the world, and the redemption from exile into the nations of the world is the completion of the process which is an event that's associated with the messianic era and looking at the completion of the journey coming out of egypt going into the promised land that that process was not complete until 
they not just went into the promised land, but it was not complete until David ruled over a united kingdom from Jerusalem. That was the completion of the journey. And when he did that, he ruled from Zion. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 3, it is written, Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron and spake, saying, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. So all the elders of Israel came to the king, to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. This is when David rules over a united kingdom. But ultimately, after David ruled over this united kingdom, his son Solomon took over upon David's death. And following the days of Solomon, the kingdom was divided into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And the tribes of Israel got scattered into the nations of the earth. But the promise of the God of Israel is that he would redeem his people from the exile and bring them back to the promised land and give them a place better than their forefathers. And this end of the exile and return back to the land is associated with the Messianic era. In Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14 and verse 18 it is written, Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you and I will take you one of a city and two of a family and bring you to Zion. Zion is the completion of the journey. In those days, which is an idiomatic phrase for the Messianic era, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. They're dwelling together in unity and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given for an inheritance unto your fathers. Then, in the return back to the land, the people of the God of Israel will be ruling and reigning with Yeshua the Messiah during this Messianic era. It tells us in Isaiah chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 that they're ruling from Zion. In Isaiah chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 it is written, It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Those who have completed the journey, who have come to Zion and have received their inheritance in coming out of Egypt and making it to the promised land, coming to Zion, they are the ones who's got to rule and reign with the Messiah. Sukkot is associated with the Messianic era. In Zechariah chapter 14 verse 16 it is written, It will come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. All nations of the world will be required to keep the feast of tabernacles during the Messianic era. Sukkot, the feast of tabernacles, is the completion of the task, the end of the spiritual journey. I'm going to now read from the art scroll, Ashkenazi Sidor, which is the prayer book for Sukkot. In commenting about Sukkot, it says, as we have seen, the three pilgrimage festivals form a progression from the birth of the nation on Passover to the assumption of its mission on Shavuot or Pentecost to the successful completion of its task on Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. What is going to be the completion of the task and the purpose of creation during the Messianic era? We will have Yeshua ruling and reigning over a united house of Jacob, Ezekiel 37 verse 22. The house of Jacob will be keeping Yeshua's commandments 
Testament following Torah, Ezekiel 37:23, and Yeshua in the house of Jacob, his servant, will be making disciples. They will be teaching Torah to all nations during the Messianic era. Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3. In celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, the commandment and reason given in celebrating it from Leviticus chapter 23 verse 34 and then verses 42 through 43 is that you would remember the historical Egyptian redemption. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject Sukkot, the season of our joy. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.